so are we leaving the door open? Back with a fan. Dung dung. Dung dung. Probably not the right note, but it's close no, enough. No, you're pretty close. Dung dung dung. Are you, uh, you have perfect fit? Fitch? Dung dung. Dung dung. I think that's about right. That doesn't prove it to me if dun, you, dun. you were trying yeah, to answer that the question. Do you anything to me? What is it? Uh, <laughs> do I? <laughs> you better believe it. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Your Father's Favorite Movies, where we take a movie from our father's generation and we give you a fresh generation's perspective. I'm Derek Julian. I'm Jake. I'm Kai. And I'm Chase. I'm Dakota. And this is John Carpenter's The Thing. The Thing. Made in 1982, starring Kurt Russell. All right. Let's get some initial impressions from some of you guys that haven't seen it. Cool. Talking about me and Jake? That's right. Correct. Jake, what did you think? Um, so I uh, just straight up loved it. Um, I don't know. So I've heard a lot about this movie. I've pieced together the plot over the years uh, from horror fans. It's very iconic. I've seen some of the best practical effect moments because those are what's most talked about I think throughout the years about this movie so I've seen a lot of it but it was still just kind of an amazing experience to see the whole thing start to finish um, I didn't know how it was going to end I was along for the ride and I was psyched making guesses being wrong and uh, occasionally being right and I enjoyed it very much uh, before Kai before you get into it I, um, I forgot to tell the audience um, the gist of the movie a research team in Antarctica is infiltrated by a shape-shifting alien life form that assumes the appearance of its victims. One by one, the team members are hunted. Distrust and panic build as no one can tell who's human and who's the, the thing. thing. Did you write that? Or was that, did you grab it's that a combination line? of both. Oh, that's, that's, that's a pretty good description. I went in knowing, like, nothing. That was, I, didn't know any, I didn't know any of the iconic stuff. I didn't know, like, um, that even Kurt Russell was the lead actor. Early in my notes, I'm like, oh, it's so cool this movie starts off in Antarctica, because I thought, surely they're going to take it to civilization. But the whole <laughs> movie takes place in Antarctica. Um, and I, I think the, the greatest moment for me watching the movie for the first time was when the alien shapeshifts for the first time, because I'm like, holy shit, this is batshit. The dog but, alien? Yeah, the dog alien. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, man, if I had seen this when I was uh, a, wee, a, a wee person... <laughs> Then uh, it, it, this would have been terrifying. So many transformations to choose from, too. I think later on we should oh. pick our favorites, but That's, not yeah. right now. We should, we should think about that and come back to yeah. it. Absolutely. I wrote down mine as well. Uh, <laughs> so now uh, from us longtime fans, go ahead, Dakota. Um, so I love this movie. This is one of my favorite movies of all – probably my top ten favorite movies of all time. This is – my favorite horror movie of all time, and I personally think it's one of, if not the best horror movies to ever be made. It is fucking fantastic. This, I, I think this is the best movie that we've watched on the podcast, and it's probably my favorite movie that we watch on the podcast. The reason that I like this movie so much is, one of the reasons is what Kai was talking about. You think they're going to change settings, right? It starts in Antarctica, you think they're going to change settings, but it doesn't. And I think that adds to the horror element of the movie because they're in such an isolated, desolate place, 
that there's nobody to help them, right? Mm. You, wa- you watch other horror movies and you're like, you know, maybe the police will show up, maybe the army will show up, you know, maybe someone will come and save this group, right? But that's not going to happen in this movie and you know it's not going to happen because they're so far away from civilization that there's no hope. They're quarantined. Yeah. And, then, and yeah. then another thing is that I think separates this movie from other horror movies is for the most part, I mean, they do make mistakes, but for the most part, they aren't dumb in this movie. A lot of horror movies, they make really dumb decisions, right? You know, they're they're separating, like one person's going off, whatever. Um, and that doesn't happen a lot in this movie. When they do separate, they separate in groups. You know, they have the idea to, to, to do a blood test and a lot of... A lot of horror movies that wouldn't happen, yeah. right? So they do make a lot of good decisions in this movie, and the monster still wins a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think that is part of what makes it so scary. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I I love John Carpenter, one of my favorite directors of all time. I think the best horror director to ever do it, and this is his best movie in my opinion, even better than Halloween. Wow. Yeah, I I I love this movie, and I think it does a great job from you two talking about the first time you watch the movie it does a great job of not projecting who the monster is a lot of movies will kind of foreshadow like this is who it's gonna be this is who the bad guy is you know this is who the killer is whatever they give you little hints for everybody they give you little hints for everybody but i feel like for the most part you guys weren't sure who the next enemy would be most of the time people who are not the monster they give you hints for everybody fairly exactly exactly they throw a lot of red herrings you guys were asking us like hey jake and kai who do you think's like the monster no idea and i'm like dude there's no (laughs) i think that's what's so special you're you're right there with the the characters in the movie because they're trying to figure it out too and everyone's like who is it? like you know the leads are going to be false leads so you're like oh man and And then even yeah even something so small as the introduction of a monster I think is such a big deal because they introduce the monster as a dog, right? Mm. And a dog is is something that everybody loves. Everyone thinks Jake it's such a like, cuddly character. Oh, I love that dog. Right? Like at the right? beginning. <laughs> so, th- so they introduce the monster as a as a dog, which I think is a fucking brilliant way to bring the monster into the conversation. So I think we should have definitely made Dakota go last because he just took like, <laughs> everything. <laughs> there is. Wait, wait, wait. I oh, hold on. But Dakota, did you? Yeah, we know like we haven't it, gotten a chase. Yeah. 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 Chase, go ahead. What what uh, what did you uh, think? So, so I've I've seen this movie multiple times. Uh, not nearly as much as like Dakota or Derek have, but. Uh, I think I probably saw it first 15 years ago and was just like, whoa, like this movie is crazy. And uh, as a musician, the soundtrack is a huge aspect to it. Like right from the get-go, they get you with the score. Because the score initially is not the dun-dun. You know, it's not scary yet. It's kind of just like setting up these like themes and motifs and like, you know, these little pieces that it kind of like, even like the music is kind of hiding what it's like trying to show you, you know, huh. which I, th- I think that's kind of the big theme of this uh, this movie is because it's it's all about unanswered questions, you know. It's it's like uh, you know like how how are you saying like they start off the movie with the dog, you know, and everybody loves dogs, and you mm. see this dog, and this dog is like happy as you know can be, running through the snow, <laughs> just like galloping along, getting shot at, which and he's like shot at out of a man. helicopter. Yeah, which like uh, like I remember at one point Jake was like like I'm so glad my girlfriend's not here. She would not <laughs> like this scene. <laughs> and I was thinking, she would I was turn the movie off right now. My girlfriend has a husky, and it's like a husky dog. Oh, right? so like, yeah. like like yeah. yeah. So he gets you in in the. He, it's like the whole movie is all about subversion. You know, like he 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 sets something up, right. and then it's 
all of a sudden the opposite of what you think it is. And, and then he continues to do that, and he continues to right. do that, and he continues to like do that. Like, when you see that opening scene of someone shooting the dog, you're like, this fucking asshole. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, you're why? Never, you're, never like, you're never like, what, is the dog bad? Right? You're just like, this fucking piece of shit I'm, is shooting at a I'm dog. I'm still one. So, I'm just, just so I get this right. The Norwegians, were, uh, which the movie starts with them in a helicopter. They're trying to shoot the dog. Uh, who's running through this? It's a great cinematic sequence. He's running through the Antarctic like tundra, yeah. Uh, and there's like mountains in the back. Uh, it's a great um, shot. And but why are they? Sh- they're shooting the dog because they their base has been infiltrated. They're, they've been attacked by this monster, yes. and they're trying to kill everyone in Antarctica. They, they every living being have so, went through the same thing. Yeah. Uh. So so at the very beginning of the movie. There's two guys left, and they're doing everything they desperately can to, keep to take this thing out, right? So and it's the only two living. that are left. I think yeah. that they so the whole movie the goes in full circle. Exactly. So hold, hold on again. So there's also like the gotcha. uh, like they the Norwegians burn their whole base down, mm, which yeah. is exactly what the Americans do. Yeah, they go you know, it's, the same it, thing. So so essentially, like the story is being told once. But he's essentially telling two stories because uh, he's like, this is exactly what just happened to the Norwegians. Yep. Let me explain to you what happened yeah. to the Norwegians by using these new Americans. They should and do a sequel for this movie with so, the Chinese base. So it's <laughs> funny It's funny that you mentioned that, Kai. We'll get into that a little bit okay. later. Me and Dakota, you know, this is one of our favorite horror films. I, like, I've been watching this film over and over probably once or twice a year since I was a kid because, one, it's terrifying. Like, and mm. And, like... I, and it's terrifying in a, in a way that I just have to watch it again because it's super unique. Like, it's creative and unique, and I, and the visual aspect of it. I'm, I'm a big fan. I always say in these podcasts, like, no, less CGI, more practical effects. Mm, same because, way. like, yep. when you look at it on camera, it looks real. You're, you're taken to this place. And, it's and tangible. It's, it's Exactly. It's tangible. And I remember as a kid just being absolutely mortified by that, yeah. and like I still am. It's enthralling. That's how I would describe this movie. It's enthralling. Yeah, it exactly. You in, yeah, and it's like you're here. You're on yes. that base with them, and you're stuck in that base with those people. Well, yes, and, and like how you were saying, how it's like a, they're they're all pretty smart about it. It's like they're they're able to get you with the visceral stuff, yeah, and then they're able to get you with the real like you know high what? level smart stuff too. You know, it's like this movie's built for. Any like intelligence mm-hmm. level, and there know? there was one point in the movie where you were like, "Got to grab a flashlight, right?" Thinking that they would be dumb and not grab it, and the and very they wait, next like, one <laughs> second, they have flashlight. a flashlight. They thought about yeah. it, like you know, yeah. they they thought like, how would smart people handle this problem? Yeah. And they did everything they could, like like what you said. Right. Most like horror movies of this time period, like Halloween and Friday yeah. the Thirteenth and yeah. Freddy Krueger, like. Everyone is stupid, and all the stupid people like, die. Oh my god, uh, let's go to the shack full of chainsaws. It'll right? Be safe oh my god, there. let's have yeah. sex yeah. here. Yeah. You know, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's a trope. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, like in this movie, you have a like what you said. We have a bunch of intelligent scientists that exactly. are doing their best yep. to get ahead, but the, the but the creature is above them still, and they just can't get a hand up, and they have no help from the outside. Yeah. So, like, you have several levels of suspense. You have direct direct problems where the alien is attacking people you have the fact that they're isolated from society and have no help to come in and then you have the the um they're quarantined they're stuck together in close quarters and getting on each other's nerves and the fact that it could be any one of them and it could be any one of them and they don't know and there's panic and distrust so it's like this it's a brain fuck of like Mm. panic and Mm. so it's just brilliantly done um right as as opposed to different horror movies where it's like okay we're all in this together there's one enemy right you know there's there's freddy there's jason enemy. there's alien whatever that we have to 
get after it. But in this one, it could be any of us, yeah. right? Could be any single person. It's, it's like Clue, yeah. uh, <laughs> but not cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so let's go into, let's start off and we'll go through the movie with the deaths like we like to do in this podcast. Uh, Jake. Sure. You guys want to hear the total or you want to go through from the, let's from go, the top? How about one by one? Yeah, let's just roll through it. Let's start in Norway. Um, <laughs> you mean oh, okay. the, with the Norwegians? The base. <laughs> Uh, so the base, um, undefined number of people die off screen. We're not counting them, but we are counting the two people in the helicopter that first show up, and start shooting, and explode. Uh, so those are two. Yeah, the one guy that uh, first guy. not so good at throwing a grenade. Helicopter pilot, he does. Well, it's the shooter that throws the grenade, kills the helicopter. Yeah, he, th- pilot. he throws it back, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, he actually, yeah. yeah, like on and the he wind tries to up. dig for it. Yeah, right? like, well, which, which is the most ballsy. I would right. never think to dig for a grenade but, but, that's already been like. Well, but at, the, but at the beginning, you're like, you what are these the fucking guys doing, right? <laughs> oh, but then fine. when the movie progresses, like they're fucking panicked. They're panicked. Because yeah, they're it's the same thing that happens to the base. They have no fucking idea what this thing is, where it's from, right? It's it's you know it's driving them insane. Absolutely. And and it's these two people are panicking. They're going fucking crazy. They know that this thing has to die. Or it's gonna ki- like, and, and then the best way. part is yeah. that they're only speaking Norwegian, so they they like they're yelling at the Americans yeah. like, "I'm telling you exactly what's going on," but yeah. they're speaking in you know another language. The Americans are like, "I can't understand this guy," and he just yeah. shoots them. Anyway. So yeah. fun fun fact about that uh, when what he yells at them in Norwegian, if you read it in English, is. There's and the dog is an alien. Don't touch it. It's gonna kill all of us. Well, and, I was yeah. confused. I mean. I wasn't sure that they were shooting at it. I was like, okay, what? well, eventually he's going to hit it. They're he bad never aim. hit it. It was bad aim. He never hit Everyone it. Everyone knows which Norwegians is fine, can't shoot. Because yeah. I imagine it's probably hard yeah. to shoot out of a helicopter. I mean, like, if that was an American, we'd have put a bullet there, in that goddamn you know, dog. Normal person. I don't know if you guys have tried to shoot a husky out of a helicopter, but it's actually pretty hard. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I was, so I was just like, below okay. a baby out of a helicopter. That's even harder. Either they're shooting at this dog or they're shooting at something under the ice or the dog is like helping them hunt. or like I wasn't sure even that that is exactly what they were doing. And they threw a grenade. The grenade was nowhere near it, too. Oh, no. So I was, I was curious, like, does this mean something? It wasn't a great yeah. throw. No, he's... But, yeah. Yeah, shook up. but that, that introduction sets you off the movie because it's, it's a disorienting yeah. introduction. Well, yeah, there's, it, and it, it leaves you with so many questions. Yeah. And it's it's also, like, just beautiful. Cause right. Well, and, yeah. and don't they follow that up with McCready is trying to get on the air and uh, and he can't, he, like, can't get in touch with anybody? So it's like it's like here's a scene with all these unanswered questions, and then well let's let's try to answer them. Oh, we can't get in touch with anybody. Oh, we yeah. won't be able to because no. winter just started, and we got a storm coming in six hours. There is there is absolutely my 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 goalpost for a perfect movie is a, it needs to have no fat to it, right? Mm-hmm. Huh. What do you mean no by that? Filler, right? There's no filler. There's no scenes that don't do something for the movie. do something for the movie, and I think yeah. this movie has no fat to it. Yeah. Every single scene matters to the ending of the movie. Yeah. And it's just, it's fucking great. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. So, death number two is, uh, oh, the other Norwegians. The two Norwegians. Yeah. As far as I know, you're legally allowed to kill Norwegians <laughs> in any country. Uh, <laughs> that's another good point, too, Jake. Like, are they, are they normal people? Norwegians? These scientists? No. no, no. Like, no. Anybody, Norwegians anybody are the real monster on, in this movie. <laughs> anybody that's on Antarctica. 
Like these are not normal people. Well, they, these they people all are. Have their they own all goals. have goals. They all have. They're all like ambitious. That's that, the reason why that, they're there. Is that racist? <laughs> Those Antarcticans are fucking not normal. I mean, well, no, I mean, just, just no, like know the fact, like yeah. to have to, 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 to want to be, to be to there. To be someone who would live in isolation for that long I was, period of time. Well, I, I mean, for a purpose. You they're know? here for a job, right? I would equate this to, this is one of the things that I would say is very similar to Alien, and that these are regular people doing their jobs. They're not a bunch of soldiers. They're not action right. heroes. Okay. They're not built to survive they, the war. They are civilians. That's, right. yeah. They're supposed to be yeah. scientists, right? This is a scientist, like yeah. a, a government base for and scientists. That really but, does. But, but they're not. They're like like McCready's a helicopter. There's um, a chef. There's heli- a helicopter yeah. pilot from the army. Okay. Like there's different. There's a different group of people here. They're all different be, yeah. because like it's not like same as an alien. I, you get I your thought they were all uh, your, alcoholics. Uh, your doctor <laughs> on account so, of the all the alcohol they drink. But yeah, that is that is. That's actually something that I've never considered with the movie, but the the people that are there, they are a kind of a different breed. Yeah, they're like tough in, as in nails. In order to li- like, they're a tough as nails group, and yeah. I think that yeah, and it's yeah. a great scientist versus right. mystery is a great clash, right? And it, that makes this a great movie, and that's that's goes to what you're talking about. Intelligence is their main tool, and it still doesn't always win right yes so, so maybe like uh it's it's very interesting because john carpenter chooses the beginning of the movie to start a sort of man versus nature and mm. then w- for a good portion we think it's man versus man but really it's man versus beast the whole time oh yeah <laughs> absolutely so he kind of plays with all these different like writing techniques you know alien i wouldn't call this thing a beast it flew a, it flew a spaceship i mean Smart it's a, a very intelligent beast. but it's not a man it's not a man. Okay. So, the so or is it the first two the first two guys die? Yeah. That that starts out the movie with a shock. We're all everyone's like, "What the fuck?" And uh, then, when the first guy died, I, I was shocked. Yeah. It was just confusing. Yeah. yeah. It was like, like wait, uh, huh? Just a story. Like I just got the, the opening, so then the opening to the movie is another reason I really like this movie because it starts off as like bang bang. Yeah. Guys dead right. You're like, this is an action movie. Grab me. This yeah. is Absolutely. an action movie. <laughs> Absolutely. And then for the rest of the time, it is not a fucking action movie. Whatsoever, it's a it's gruesome movie, and yeah. Ju- it's yeah. So they haul this monster back yeah. to the base. It yeah. comes to life and kills Death Number Three, which is when we see it's after we've built up tension and figured out that the thing can assimilate other creatures. Oh, by the way, I'm skipping the death of the five dogs. dogs. Uh, and these guys told me that they don't care about animals, so I can skip <laughs> those deaths. Uh, <laughs> yeah, nobody said that. So uh, yeah. Uh, Bennings dies. The redhead guy, he is assimilated in a chair. He's the first one of the group that is seen being absorbed yeah, by the creature. And he runs off. He's not fully done yeah. switching, and then they burn him up. And they and they fry his alien self. Um, and I thought it was yeah. great that they were like, oh, Nor- the Norwegian base totally burned. All these bodies have been burned. There's another alien here. Burn. Yes. Just another nice and easy, this is how we kill the thing, burn it, and it works. Yeah. And also, uh, this there's a scene. He, uh, Jake just talked about the dogs dying. There's a the first thing where we're introduced to what the dog was in the beginning, and we see the alien for the first time in action. Where the dog that we let into the camp is found to be the alien. Right. They put it in the kennel. They put it in the kennel. And then immediately, that dog was a great actor. And, by the way. Yeah. And Dude, really I, I wrote that down too. Yeah. He was great. That dog was so it, like he or she one of the best actors in the and movie. And that yeah. and that's another cool part about the movie that I like is because so in natural disaster situations, animals are the first thing to recognize a disaster happening. Right. So when a tsunami mm-hmm. happens, 
animals are known to run away before the tsunami comes, right? They can sense it happening. Yeah. And in this movie, they put the dog in the kennel, and all the dogs they, are immediately like, this is not wrong. This is not yeah. a dog, right? Like, they know what it is, <laughs> yeah. right? And the, and the people are still, they're like, yeah, it's just a fucking dog, right? Yeah. So the animals notice the disaster happening first, which I think is, it's is a cool it's a cool little detail that doesn't, doesn't have a huge impact on the movie, but yeah. I think it's just something that's that's interesting. So Absolutely. Here's another question that arises from that that I'm just thinking about now. Uh, so they're like essentially the same breed of dog, right? Like a husky, yeah. Yeah. So, so are we expected to believe that both the Norwegians who have no contact with the Americans have the same exact type of dog? Yes. Okay. Because because that's, that's there's a only a few. Oh, types the dog came survive. from their base. Yeah, it had to have. Yeah, it had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's because if it came from the American space, unless it was an American dog, that already somehow roamed. But it makes it's sense. A, Huskies are a type of Siberian dog that Huskies exist in those that type exist of in that kind of condition. There's a there's a very few amount of dogs that can exist in that type of condition. And okay. Huskies, Huskies, so, Huskies are very often found in Alaska, in Russia. So, so we are expected to believe. So yeah, I think I think that makes sense. That's yeah. not something that's out of okay. the ordinary. So if it was like a golden lab at the beginning, that'd be weird. But it's like it's a husky. So be it's like, a, that'd be uh, <laughs> if it was a pug, dude, old yeller, a pug out of a helicopter. It's old yeller too. <laughs> at this point in the movie, now all the characters in the movie know that there's an alien creature. That yeah, that's kind yeah. of their. Well, first they, they well they knew they saw the body of it. one. Now they see it in action because they picked up the body from the camp. They know it's an alien. Right. But they thought it was dead. Now they know it's alive and they know what it's capable of. And they know that there's a serious threat, and then, yeah. but it's too late at this point. And they do the autopsy been, on it. People have been exposed already to the dog, and so the the lead biologist Blair, he's like, he becomes very suspicious. He's like, well, shit, uh, you know, Clark, you've been with this dog for a day. How do we know you're not the thing? And he goes crazy. That's that's when the distrust between the characters begins, and that's where the real game begins. Is like who's who. Right, you know, right. and like so, people get very suspicious of each other, and they start looking for each other. So that's the scientist Blair. I want to call out in that same scene where he's like, "Okay, alien cells assimilate to dog cells." He types into his computer. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Um, the likelihood of a crew member being infected, and the computer's like seventy-five percent, dude. And uh, he's like, "Okay, cool. Likelihood of." What's going to happen oh, yeah. to the whole world if somebody yeah. escapes this base and the computer's like, oh, dude, they're all going to die in exactly <laughs> 27,000 hours. 27,000 hours. 3.4 yeah. years. Which everybody Chase, will die. Uh, I got a shout out to Chase. Very quick mental math on the 27 hours. He <laughs> yeah. was like, is that three years? And then someone's like, oh, it's, it's 3.8. Yeah, we were like, you idiot. You thought it was three years at 3.8. 3.08. Yeah. 3.08. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, even better. So, that's essentially like, uh, it's like less than a month, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone at this point is on guard. Freaking out. Everyone's alert. And they start searching around the camp and they find somebody burned. They don't know who it is. So wait, 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 wait. Let's go back really quick. Let's let's make sure we cover all this. Uh so when the dogs are in the cage, the thing freaks out, everybody sees it, right? There's a very particular scene, and I don't know the answer to this question, but he like breaks through the ceiling. Uh, like, cause like the yeah. the thing like like extends yeah. itself, right? Yeah, and it breaks through the ceiling boards. I was very curious if at that moment, 
does a piece of it like escape? I thought the same thing. Go start. I see this looking part. For, yeah. you know, it, and that's what ends up like building the thing down in there at the bottom. And the I don't know. And that's we don't know because yeah. like several of the huskies escaped. Remember from that little oh, attack? Yeah, yeah. It could be them. It could be Clark. Well, we find out later that it wasn't. But like, it, it could be the other ambiguity. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, somebody continue. infects Blair. No, absolutely. Um, at some point. But 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 remember like. I, I don't think it escaped through there because remember the dog was in the facility the just roaming around for almost a, a whole time. day. And so, so it's like we just don't know. And you know, like you know how many people would be like, Hey but, hey dog, come here, you know, spend time with the dog or whatever and it could infect them. So it's like I think it's it's more meant to be like the dog interesting is was in the facility for so long that it could have infected it could have anybody. Been anybody. And I yeah. thought at that point we had like two people infected for sure, maybe even three. But there was actually only one other one infected up until right towards the end of the movie. Uh, because yeah. after a while, well, I guess somebody gets infected. That's who Derek was just talking about. They find the dead body of somebody who, I guess, was infected and burned himself or something. He, like halfway of being assimilated, they assumed that he burned himself. You know, like they find his glasses oh, on the right. ground and his charred uh, remains. The guy, the canned food guy. Fuchs. Because nobody else name. fesses up to killing that guy. So maybe it was... The alien killed him, or well, uh, allegedly he killed himself, right? Yeah. So this is one of those off-screen deaths, but we put together that he oh, died because yeah, we, we have he, clues he of his body, death, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 But we see body. a skeleton. We see his glasses. Right. So that's I mean, good enough. He, he basically took a candle, went out, and dumped out one of those vats of kerosene, and, and set himself it. on fire. Yeah. Wow. That's so that's the way that I took that scene. So I, yeah, I have that as death number four because he was he was another scientist, right? I I wanted to someone. What was his role? Uh, I don't yeah, know. he, he was, was a he's sciencey. a scientist, but so he's got a small. He might have been an assistant. Like, well, so if if he was a scientist, my thinking is that he came to the same conclusion that the other scientist did. The other scientist like freaked out and held everybody hostage. He came to the conclusion same as the other guy, but he was more of a coward and was like, you know what? I'm just going to end it because in, in which the other guy grabs the gun. He thinks about it too, you know. I, it wasn't. Yeah, I'd say that's less cowardly to, uh, to burn to, yourself. You know, yeah, to, burn to, yourself. to see like the situation and be like, no, I'm just going to take myself out. I wanted to see people cling more into like become more scared of dying and go into survival mode and like try, try to fuck up the group because they're afraid of dying and they just want to survive. Like, I, I think there's a lack. Yeah. There's too many people that were more comfortable with their mortality than I think was accurate. Uh, that's an interesting point. Uh, uh, okay. Um, so, but yeah, we, so that's death number four that I that I've got. Um, yeah, the next death comes after everybody starts blaming Kurt Russell for being the thing. Right, because they find his jacket. Yeah, and it's then he's up. like, "Everybody, shut up! I'm gonna do the test now, or I'm gonna blow us all up." And then there's a great tense scene um during that scene somebody dies and oh yeah that yeah. guy was infected yeah. i forgot all about him <laughs> so mad eye moody he dies mm. and then turns into the thing and his belly opens up and bites the hands off oh of the that's doc, right yeah. who also dies <laughs> so yeah such a surprise and, like, for me i was researching that particular death uh norris is his name um they say that he dies of a heart attack like right there like as they're having the struggle he kind of like falls over <gasps> like so his human yeah. form dies Right there, Te- is what is what they said online hmm. um, that he died of like a heart attack of some kind, um, and then became the thing. Maybe it was like together. I, so, I but doesn't the think. thing need time to assimilate somebody? So it was. Remember, he kind of leaned. He's like, guys, come over here. And he looks at the window and he's like, ow, oh, and he oh, yeah. starts like leaning over, like yeah. something's like working on him, yeah. you know. And then he falls over, 
So maybe that is an assimilation. Maybe the alien was getting him slowly. Yeah. I don't know. I think the alien, my, my theory would have been that the alien is in there, causes his death, takes him over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I don't. I, I'm, I'm down to go with that <laughs> conclusion. Who knows? But that, yeah, that scene is, is one of the most dramatic. Um, go ahead. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what the, death are we up to? So that would be six so norris yeah like he's laying on because it's him and the guy's hands uh, yeah exactly. oh that's right yeah he's laying he's laying on the the table and they're uh, trying to revive him because they think that he had a heart attack yeah he's doing the clear thing which i was thinking too it's like there's no other doctor so he's doing he's like doing the clear and then he checks the pulse yeah and like that goes to show like the grid of all these guys right mm. like these guys are just like used to having to do three different things themselves totally. because we're, we're in the real world you've got three people to handle you know trying to revive somebody huh. whereas yeah. this guy's doing it all by himself he's controlling the machine he's using the machine and then he's playing nurse and, and i don't like, think checking he his pulse. plans to defibrillate anybody on this job you know right but they clearly the have the equipment to be able to yeah. handle a situation as, yeah. as they would as they would because they're going to be there for the winter yeah, yeah. wow yeah but yeah so he, norris turns into an alien and when uh, and then Doctor Copper he gets on top of him to try and revive him. He's chomped up, only to get his arms ch- bitten off when Norris's belly opens up and he reveals his alien insides. And I was curious if that guy was going to survive at all, but no, he's in, no, he's died. gone. He does the door now? He's like, no, I'm good. Ah! Yes, yeah, so fucking hands yeah. are gone. Fun fact about <laughs> that part is that that um, when they they did that scene where the guy got his arms cut off, uh-huh. the actor that's like kind of like flailing, flailing there on the table they hired an a real amputee who didn't have arms to play that part and they put a mask of dr copper over his head and had him flail oh, around armless but joe they had a real yeah, amputee guy play that part <laughs> Whoa, like, that's cool okay <laughs> yeah. we'll give you 20 bucks <laughs> <laughs> they saw him while they were heading to set and they're like hey, hey. Like, hey you're having a bad day you want to <laughs> yeah. uh. But like that, this part is one of the most to me is one of the most dramatic scenes. Like the alien, like the practical effects that make that alien like tentacles. The, the, oh my god! If you look at it in like the the context of the time it was made, the practical effects in this movie are great. Yeah, like, I wrote fantastic. that down. Absolutely, yeah. I was like animatronics yeah. like, are obvi- top notch. Obviously, they're dated, but this movie's forty years old. Yeah, twenty twenty two. It's forty uh, years old. Was this the same scene where the guy's head is? It's like falling on the ground and yes. turns into a spider, and yeah. you can see his mouth moving. And I'm like, yeah. that's like a real fucking head. And it's, no, it's, it's like it's, it's like it's still convincing today. There's definitely oh, yeah. there's definitely stuff that's dated, but like for the amount of time bit, yeah. that has no, passed, yeah. it is fantastic. And, and you say dated, but it's. Yeah, a little bit, but it's a also bit, yeah. studied. Like it's, it's still no, it's, very no, much it's, relevant to today's practical effects. Yeah, where wherever yeah. people are doing them instead of no, CGI. It's pheno- phenomenal for the time period. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I had seen this when I was a kid, this movie would have scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of yeah. bummed that it didn't because I'm afraid right now. <laughs> Who do you have uh, next for deaths, Jake? All right, those two die, and then we get the Kurt Russell test. He lines everybody up. He has them oh. tie each other up. He's still holding a bomb. Like the scene was nobody, so tense. Nobody mess with me. Um, we're not sure who it is. I'm making guesses. I'm like, there's two people here, and it's these two who it's not. And uh, so, so I'm curious for you newbies, what percent did you think that it was Kurt Russell's character that was the thing? Like um, when he grabs like the bomb and he's like, "Back off, motherfuckers!" Because he's always talking about how, oh, it's gonna want to stay alive. Yeah, so I would say this uh, was an ongoing debate in my mind. I would say two percent. Okay, I w- 
yeah, for when when you guys asked me, I'm like, maybe maybe it's like a big twist, and it's Kurt Russell. I'm like, I, that seems weird. Like he's the hero. And I'm like, oh, that'd be kind of genius. That it's like you think you're behind this guy, and at the end they reveal it's Kurt Russell. And then uh, when they found the shirt, I'm like, oh fuck, maybe it is. And like, oh maybe that's a false clue. So Good I was like, Aaron, I was yeah. being, I was having this debate throughout up until he put the. Uh, the test in his blood, and, and I'm but, like, but okay. the, That's so the, great. the thing about this so movie great. is, you really have like at the end, you really have no idea. Like it could have infected Childs, it could have infected McCready. Uh, They're sitting next to each yeah. other, and you really are not at any point a hundred percent sure that neither of them have been infected. Who who was the first guy that that didn't pass the blood test? I don't remember his uh, name. Palmer. Palmer. Yeah, Palmer. He yeah. had the that crazy episode they, uh, tied down. The, the, the lead up to that failing of the blood test was perfect yeah. because it was like, uh, what's the other guy who's like, hey, this doesn't prove a thing. Like, he's getting yeah, nervous yeah. about this. I'm going to do you yeah. last. So, yeah, it's like, I was like, yeah, because you were the only one that had a key. That's why I'm going to do you last. So, everyone's like, oh, fuck, it's going to be that guy. And he does the other guy. Yeah. And that guy turns the out jump to be scary. the jump scare. That well, was the, an awesome it was like scene. The, way to, the tension building is fantastic yeah. in this movie. But, and, and they even, it's a jump scare to the point that even McCready is like shocked. Because he really thinks that that guy's not. Yeah. Right. So then when the blood like the audience. Like splashes and, and up, that's he drops his flamethrower and breaks it. That <laughs> blood come up was one of my favorite practical effects of the whole movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so this particular scene, they, they do the test, right? They've got everyone lined up, and they test everybody that's still alive. All right? And they find the ones that aren't. You yeah. all have AIDS. They find them. <laughs> Every find single it. one of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> good news is you're not an alien. Hey, These are the same razor on, everybody, on everybody's <laughs> thumb. And I'm like, okay, dude, if one person's AIDS, infected. Dude. But I'm talking about, okay, AIDS, yes. But I'm talking about the thing. I don't, me, I'm like, if you you're put right. the thing's blood on this and then you wipe it on your pants and use it again, Who's to say you're not literally infecting everybody here? Absolutely. Ooh, that, that was wow. sloppy. That That's was very sloppy. Juicy. We have this big scene where we do the test. We find that Palmer was an alien. He kills Windows. And Clark also dies. That's up to, in in my count, it's nine deaths. You, you good with that, uh, Jake? What do you got, Jake? Is One, that... two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's right. Okay. And then we have four people that are cleared, and they go to check on Blair, who's been locked in the shed the whole movie. But Blair is missing. Actually, only three of the four go to check on Blair. That's right. Giles, Giles all of a sudden is, for seen, all intents and purposes, might as well be infected because we don't know anymore. Yeah. As soon as you lose sight of somebody in this movie, you don't know. And that's what you guys are talking about. Yeah. So they. So Why didn't they take him with them? I don't know either. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. That, that seems that, weird. Well, because they had to if guard you're by yourself and we know that you're not infected, then you can't infect yourself, right? Well, it's also like you but need to. But then Giles runs away. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, well. Now we don't know. Yeah. Yep. But um yeah, so they go check on Blair and they they're well, he's all out of sudden, eyesight. He's Blair's cottage is open and he's nowhere to be found. And they go down and into it was the cellar. From the outside. Yeah, it was bolted from the outside and they go down into his little cellar and it turns out he's been building an alien spaceship the whole time he's been locked up. Right. Spare parts. So I think that, that Which would was mean, a twist. Yeah, that was it's a twist. It's also no fucking idea. awesome that he used the helicopter to make the alien spaceship. Where was that thing going to fly? I was thinking that would be like a local <laughs> flying spaceship. Like right. With the parts that he has. He's not going home, but well, so, he can get somewhere. So I was totally thinking the same thing to myself, and this might be the only aspect of the movie that isn't very good. Because, like, so he's building this UFO with parts, like, you know, if if, Amer- if, if, if or if uh, humans had the parts... 
to make a UFO, like, don't you think we'd be able to do it? It's not the parts. The parts from the helicopter, and, like, he's putting all these things together. He puts together this, like, you know, Rick and Morty-style UFO that's, like, just, it's only, like, half done, right? Or maybe, like, three-quarters done. And it's completely underground in snow. So, like... How is he gonna be able to get this thing out of here? I, I, I don't I don't think it's for him to fly away. I think it's for him to hibernate in. Because oh, uh-huh. when, when oh, and save himself right. in the ice right. for uh, save himself the in the ice, squad. and then the rescue yeah. squad comes and gets him uh, because they're saying whether, like, whether it be a hundred million years yeah. from now or whatever. Right, exactly. That's an so interesting so point. I, 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 I don't think it's supposed to fly away. I think it's supposed to be somewhere for him to All store right. himself. I can totally get behind That's that. That's easy to find. But uh, so there is a few more deaths. What's the next one you got, Jake? They find the spaceship. That now there's three of them, and they're like, "Hey, Giles just ran away, so we can't trust anybody now." They go down in the basement to blow everything up, um, and uh, the one guy who was in Spider-Man. Uh, Gary is his Gary. Uh, I, I loved that, by the way. I kept on seeing people, and I was like, oh, this is the youngest I've ever seen, Keith David, mm-hmm. who I Keith didn't know Yeah, definitely. But I, yeah. It, but, and it wasn't even his face that I recognized. It was his voice, because he's got a yeah, very such iconic, an iconic voice. voice yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that guy. And But I did that multiple times, because I did that with this other guy who's a very small role in Sam Raimi's Oh, Spider-Man. he was in uh, Roadhouse, Keith yeah. David. Yeah, you got yeah. The, you got okay. the diabetes guy in this movie too. Wilson yeah, Brimley. diabetes. Oh, diabetes. Mad Eye Moody. I mentioned I called oh, him Mad Eye Moody, but no, not that guy. But the guy who had the heart attack plays Mad Eye Moody in the new Harry Potter films, or I guess the only Harry Potter films. And uh, he also is in a movie called In Bruges. It's he's actually a great actor. he's no. in the uh, he's in the older Harry Potter films. He's oh, not there in are the new Harry ones. Potter films. Yeah, he's right. not in the Fantastic <laughs> Beasts franchise. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have Gary. How does Gary he... gets killed uh, by face like suffocation. Cheek. Yeah. So oh so, so Blair yeah. Blair who's put been something into captured, his throat. By, or, or been, an alien been, now. Been assimilated by the alien runs into him. Right. He shows up behind him, puts his finger in his mouth. <laughs> and then, that was crazy, dude. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then takes him over that. No, way. Not just in his mouth, in his face. He like puts digging his, his yeah, hands into his cheeks. It was very strange. Yeah. Uh, look. I picture a tentacle coming out of his palm. I think I think that's kind of, absolutely. I think that's kind of what uh, it yeah, is. Like it's like here, I'm thinking it's, going, it's like a like a down four his throat. flower petal opens and then up he, and a uh, tongue comes out. Drags that guy away with like a skin uh, web, which yeah. is pretty cool looking, and pretty sick, yeah. that just terrifies the guy whose name I don't know. Roller, roller skate guy. Niles is his name. It's something like Nulls. that. Uh, Nalls. N a u l s. It's set on like his little petri dish. So Nall just I guess is completely uh silenced by the sight of uh Gary or Jerry getting yeah. killed. Yeah, we, we don't see Noel into the dark and we don't see Noel's die on screen. But Technically it's, it's, he could live. But it, I think it's implied that he gets I, I thought the same. Up. I thought that it was implied that he dies because when they throw the dynamite at the oh, end, yeah. the whole place goes kaboom. I just love that throughout the movie all this shit's popping off. He's like, I'm not taking off my fucking roller skates. I'm keeping them <laughs> on leave them on? I'm keeping them on the whole time. I'm keeping them on the whole time. There's no way. So Jake revealed this to me uh, recently, and it has completely ruined me for the rest of my life. <laughs> and uh, it's that there's a dance scene in all these like major uh. movies, and the one in this movie is with Nalls. He's dancing to uh, oh, yeah. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, Wonder yeah. yeah, yeah. That's but true. Al- but also Very that 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 Stevie Wonder song 
um, like co- sets kind of horror tone to the movie because yeah, it's contrapuntal, yeah, right, right, because it's like ah. you got this upbeat this song, song, right, that everybody loves, right, and then it, it kind of fades away into like this emptiness, and they, they go to the, the, yeah. the room, right, the, like the medical room, and you kind of have this empty, hollow, like echo of Stevie Wonder, yeah, and I think that really adds to the you go you go from like lighthearted to like oh this is kind of scary all in one. Like verse of a song, basically. Yeah. It's rather yeah. You have the composer written down. I do. What's his name? Italian guy, right? Uh, Ennio Maricone. Ennio Maricone. An, an absolute legend. He's, yeah, he's in the top three best composers of all time. No, he's I, so good. I think he's he's, so good. he's one or two. Whether you put John Williams or him, one or two is up to you. But like, yeah, I'm going John I, Williams one. I, John I, Williams has to be one. I, but he did the <laughs> good and the bad and the ugly. He did the good, the bad, and the ugly. I did. Uh, uh, what else did every sur- <laughs> he did every Sergio Django. Leone movie. Like he's, did he do he's Django? That's yeah. great. Oh yeah, too. yeah no, no, he, did, he didn't do Django. He, he did, did uh, Hateful Eight. Eight. He did a lot. Once, Once Upon a Time in the West, The Good, The Bad, and the Ugly. Like all the, all the, all the Sergio Leone movies. Like he's wow. an absolute. Yeah. Wow. Well, so there's something, wow. there's something wow. ironic about his score for this movie. I was gonna put it later, but we're talking about it right now. So right. he wrote the score for this one, and then he used the un used and unused parts of the score from this movie to make the score for Hateful Eight. No way. Yeah, That's that, very cool. Hateful Eight was made by recycled parts from the score from wow. this movie. Honestly, so lazy. Years, I, 40 yeah. years. How many years I later? Could, I, yeah. could, I could see it, though, because Hateful Eight is also a very tension-building movie. It's not a horror movie, but it's very tension-building yeah. the whole time. It is, well, it is similar in that there's yeah. people confined in a place. Yep. And death is coming to the mall. In a winter setting, death yeah. is coming to the mall. They, nobody can trust anybody. So it's foreshadowing. So it's like, that's a, that's a very cool yeah. thing. That, that's that, so sick. What a yeah. genius, dude. Yeah. Yeah. The, the irony goes He's deeper. He's like, wait, I already wrote but, the score. For oh, this movie. it goes deeper? So the irony goes deeper. So uh, a Neo Morricone. Sorry, I don't know if I'm getting it yeah, exactly that's, right. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. a Neo Morricone, uh, he got a Razzie Award for the score for what? this movie. Okay. Wow. What? That's ridiculous. And then, wow. and then what's when a Razzie Award? A Razzie Award is like the they're opposite of the Oscars. Like the they're, it's, it's like the shame. Shitty. It's like the worst performance of the year. Yeah. So like Halle Berry dumb. got it for Catwoman. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. What's ironic about the whole <laughs> thing? That. What's ironic is that he got an Oscar for best score for <laughs> for Hateful Eight. For the Hateful Eight score, yeah. which was recycled the rejected from parts this one. of the score you want to razz you for, but it yeah. was what yeah. thirty years later, forty years later, I believe. That's so funny. Something like that. I I I love this score because like good man the ugly once upon a time in the west it's very like i don't want to say in your face but it's very like animated right it's like yeah like the, the you got the horns and the guitar and everything is yeah. very like where this is like it's very simple it's very low-key but it works it awesome, so yeah. well yeah it's kind of no. like jaws in that yeah. way it is yeah. similar yeah it's ominous i mean i mean the, i mean the main score of this movie is just bump bump yeah yeah Enough. Yeah, which is just a little, like a little heartbeat. Yeah, like. it just swells. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what's, does anybody know what his career was like at this stage? Oh, I think this... No, he, and he, and yeah. This is slightly before he did the mission with Robert De Niro. And that's right, really so, so this was, he had already done The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly once upon okay. a time. Away. So, so he, he was already big. He was, he, was, already. he was already considered yeah. a, like, a, like a classic. I think John Williams is just surpassing him as yeah. like the best Score. Okay. I, I think at this point he's very in the conversation already of sure. best composer of all time. Yeah. And then John Carpenter is coming off like, Halloween, no, so is, it's like this was shitty. Right. So weird. Yeah. So um uh kill count wise. The kill count 
we yeah. Niles uh, right there. I have twelve, and we if we're not counting uh, McCready and Child and, and Blair, who I counted as soon as I officially counted Blair as soon as he showed up and skin grabbed the other guy. Yeah. So that was one, two, three more. So I've got I've got twelve total. Yeah, what do one, you got? two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 12 All right, what I double confirmed. Well. Twelve deaths. Twelve human deaths. Because at the very end, Kurt Russell shows up after the explosion. Um, big old explosion because the entire basement was full of like drums of fuel and and sticks cool. of dynamite that they had been yeah. placing. Huge explosions. Kurt Russell shows up. And Giles shows up too. He's got the flamethrower on, and they're like, "Oh, we're tired. Are you an alien?" I don't know, are you an alien? And they're like, why don't we just wait and uh, see what's going to happen? And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And the movie ends. Yeah. Well, short of our, our record, you, did you hear how many The Mummy got, Derek? No. Oh. Over 200. Oh, my gosh. Over 200 people died in that movie. I, I'm not surprised. With, like, that battle scene in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, half the deaths happened in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about this earlier, about the ending, so... There was several endings that were actually shot for this movie. Interesting. Um, one of them is where Kurt Russell's character, McCready, and Childs, they both get picked up and rescued by a helicopter alive. Okay. Uh-huh. There's, a, um, there's another ending where Childs walks out into the darkness and uh, basically hinting that he's a thing. Um, there's one where they both die. Um, wow, they just went fire? through every uh, single no, I think possibility. They, I think they just, like, freeze. Um, huh. not all of these were shot, but like they were like some of them were just imagined, and then other ones were shot. Uh, so, and then the studio only dis- uh, only agreed on the ending that was ambiguous, where they both just let it. End. Actually, I I think I would have liked them being picked up, being rescued, because then they're like, oh fuck, uh, yeah. are one of them? It's in the raise the stakes of like the open ended ending. It's oh, like, like is like, one of them infected? And they're gonna right. infect. They're gonna go back to the mainland. Yeah, you know what? That, that's that's actually an interesting perspective because um, I've always loved like what happens, right? Like, right. Yeah. Like, do they get out of there? Is one of them infected? Are they both infected? Did they kill the monster? Or whatever. But yeah. I think that's also cool. They like if they were taken out of a helicopter, right? And then they're having that same conversation on the helicopter, yeah. like. So Universal Studios only agreed to the ambiguous ending if uh, John Carpenter agreed to put in the shriek of the alien when the when the camp explodes to insinuate that the alien had died. Why? Because I, I don't know why, but that's, only. They, that's what they wanted. They wanted the they wanted it so that the audience thought that the alien was dead. But but for for me, like that doesn't mean anything because how, exactly. many, how many times so, did the alien So John Carpenter scream, right? was okay with when they, when they that's burnt, why like, he was like, All right, Oh, you got me. He's like, you got me. Okay, right. I'll do your little thing because right. he knew. With the, with the first dude when he's transforming, he's like, Argh! and they fucking burn him. Right. Like he's screaming, right? He screams. It screams almost every time they burn yeah. it. Right. But he was gonna die. add that shriek in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like the the studio's like, oh, you know, just add that shriek in so the audience thinks that he's dead, that the alien's dead. And John Carpenter's like, sure, because the fans are I, not I, gonna I, think. I want to know one example of a studio like making a decision that made the movie better. Like they never fucking happened. Well, right? I'm you know sure I mean? that the shriek in the explosion. Yeah. We would never know. We would never. Cool. Know. Yeah. So overall, the whole movie, 108 minutes long, uh, 12 deaths Good that brings length. the de- the average kill over time to nine kills per minute. What? Interesting fact. What? What? Is it nine How did, that doesn't make any minute. sense. So 108 minutes one is 12 deaths. One, one kill per nine minutes, not nine one kills. One kill every nine minutes. minutes. You yeah. said nine kills per <laughs> minute. <laughs> that would be awesome. Thank you. Thank like you. Nine, 900 kills? <laughs> That's more like an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> movie. My bad. 
much. Yeah, better. one kill every nine minutes. Thank oh. you. But yeah, I seventy-two. What were your guys's favorite scenes? Like, what were some of those favorite scenes? The blood test. The blood. I, I think the the blood Same. test is the best. Same for me. The best movie or the best scene in the movie. It's That's just so much tension, and at that point, you're like, nobody's sure what's happening. Nobody's sure who's who, and it just it. It's like a culminating uh, moment. It, it's a master class in building tension yeah. for me yeah. in a movie. That's the yeah. scene where you're yeah. like, everyone in the room, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, we got to figure, figure this out. Like, who, whose test is going to pass yeah, and yeah. who's going to fail. So yeah. if Dakota takes that scene, I guess I'll say uh, the opening scene is my favorite. With uh, the dog yeah. running Great. and they're shooting for no reason. And the Americans are so confused. And then they, the Norwegians are screaming at him, it's an alien. Yeah. And he, they don't <laughs> understand. It's just <laughs> yeah. so good. It's, it's juicy, man. What about you, Jake? Uh, I'd say the scene directly preceding the blood test, uh, when Kurt Russell shows up after they've been missing, breaks into the breaks into the room and brings a bomb out. Yeah. And it's the same type that's of tension that Dakota's no, talking about. That's pretty good, yeah. But that's also the scene where we finally see the alien for the first time in forever. Um, and it's the defibrillator scene as well. So yeah, it's man. like, I'm going to blow us all up. <laughs> this guy's dying. Help him. Boom, defibrillator, hands chopped off. And that is the practical effect that I think is, in my opinion, probably the most famous. But that effect of that guy on the table, his belly goes up, his head slides off the top of the table and turns into its own little spider. I think that was kind of the biggest uh, scene for me. I love that scene because it's so out of nowhere. You're like, you're so focused on, is he going to be able to bring this guy back to life, right? That's the tension of the scene that you're worried about. And then the stomach opens and clamps his hand. You're like, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> it was like it was like yeah. what you were talking about earlier yeah. about like the uh, the planned scares. That was a very carefully planned scare. Like you weren't expecting it to happen, yeah. and all nope. of a sudden you were like, "What yeah. the fuck?" You know. Well, well and also uh, another thing that popped up when we were watching that scene in an earlier scene where they they burn what they think is an alien, and uh, we we were all kind of like. Well, you definitely didn't let it burn for long enough. Yeah, like yeah. You put it out right away. Yeah. So I went and looked up uh, the temperature that a uh, a flamethrower, like the, the, that liquid gets to. It's 1,000 degrees Celsius. What? So that would absolutely shred a human in seconds, even it. if you put it out right away. Yeah. Uh, for sure. That's, that's not, interesting. That's not like just getting burned by like a log. You know, <laughs> just, <laughs> just for a uh, peace of mind. Yeah, like like a, like a log of wood burns at like two forty or something. I'm like surprised that. that facility didn't go up in and flames that's... a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite scene. I uh, hate to do the same as others, but like I have to say, the Palmer scene where they're all tied up and the the petri dish blood, scene. Blood, blood test, is by yeah. far ah, my favorite so scene because of a couple of reasons. The uh, that's actually my favorite practical effect where his face starts to expand and his eyes start to like. You know, and, and oh, yeah. so so here it's the best part is like you know he's like we'll do you last. He taps the blood and the blood freaks out right, and everybody in that room all of a sudden knows who the alien is, but they can't do shit oh, because yeah, they're yeah. tied together on a couch yeah. to the fucking alien. They didn't think that through, and they're like McGrady, burn it, burn it. McGrady's like okay, he tries to burn it, and his flamethrower is out of commission. Well, because he drops it, he yeah, drops and the so thing on the ground. They're they're just. They're fucked, and you have to sit there and watch as all of them are tied to the and alien. The guy's, yeah. the guy's eyes are like if you put like those Easter peeps in a microwave. It's just like, yeah. And yeah. he starts. It starts slowly though. He starts shaking. He starts going like this, 
and like and like the blood creeps across the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then like he starts valmorphinizing, if you want to call that a word. Like, and <laughs> like and what like, word is that? And he's like val valmorphication, val valmorphinizing, changing. Anyway, Val-mor- so he he is. He's like expanding his flesh, is tearing and ripping, and his mouth is stretching, and he's just—it's just fucking horrifying. Mm. So, so uh, this totally brings up something that I was thinking about. Uh, So, I had no idea that John Carpenter directed *Big Trouble Little China*. That was something that Dakota and I were talking about before, like right before we put the movie on. Uh, which I love that movie. It's like a big movie of mine, and uh, one of the most laughable bad parts of that movie. Is when uh, one of the like there's like a big like bad guy that's like the main muscle guy that and his head, head explodes yeah. and yeah. like expands yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. so cheesy and <laughs> shitty and I just love it so much <laughs> and now that I know that John Carpenter directed that movie yeah when I see the you know eyes popping out and it looks like you know marshmallows I'm like oh this is totally the same director <laughs> it's very the on same brand no it's very, like, it's very on brand but he's very good at like. It's way well, cleaner in this. He's, movie, ve- he's very jump, like he's very good at jumping between serious and not serious. Like Big Trouble in Little China is not supposed. It's 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 very in brand with the podcast where it's it's not supposed to be serious. Right. It's kind of self aware and yeah. it's yeah. ridiculous. It's so bad it's good. Kind of. It's thing. almost like it's almost like he was aware of what was happening during the eighties and he kind of took that and ran with it. Where this is like a quality good horror movie. Like I I feel like he has. The ability to jump around and take himself seriously and take himself not so seriously. Yeah, I, I think that's a, something that makes him such a good director. Since we're talking about John Carpenter, the director, I have a question for anyone who's done research on this. But why does he have his name in the title, like John Carpenter? Because it's been made before. This is not the, the first. But yep. he does that for Halloween, right? Uh, John Carpenter's yeah. Halloween. Maybe, maybe that's he just does. his thing then. Because that that makes me think first, like this John Carpenter guy is just a freaking narcissistic like an egomaniac <laughs> there's, there's a um, he might be there's I mean, a Netflix the movies that made us about Halloween and they talk about John Carpenter getting his name on the, the title of the do movie. you remember what it said so, why, how why it, 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 I googled it real quick it says because he admires the work of um, directors like Alfred Hitchcock Sergio Leone Howard Han- Alfred, Hawks it's who not all Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho it's just Psycho uh, well it is like Hitchcock's The Birds yeah yeah. Is that what it says in the title? Yeah. The birds. Yeah. It's Alfred Hitchcock's the on, birds. On, on, the birds is way bigger on the movie poster. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, but it's like it's like uh, colloquially. How do you say that word? Colloquial. Colloquially <laughs> known as Hitchcock's the birds. That's because yeah. Hitchcock's. I don't know. I I He's always also felt like who, who the fuck is this John Carpenter sure. thinking can put his name on a- anybody in the movie in the title? Dude, come on. Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Like Lee Daniels, the butler. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's a preference thing. Like, right. uh, but I mean, I mean, yeah. I feel Tyler like there's a, there's a hand, the handful of directors I think they can get away with it, and John Carpenter is one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't mean? know. For me, I thought it was quite suitable. Like, um, yeah, I thought. I I, I think I think if you're joint. if you're if you're oh, a yeah. if you're a director that puts your brand into a movie so much, yeah. you're like this is a John Carpenter movie. I think you can have the the right to like but even Tarantino doesn't yeah. do that he doesn't call it like he doesn't Quentin he, Tarantino is once upon a time in Hollywood oh but he'll say a Quentin Tarantino film well, right every after. director oh, says a Quentin yeah. Tarantino film but it'll be like no they'll be like directed but they, by no they they don't literally put it in the in on the poster like Quentin Tarantino's no it really was something cuz Halloween was like his first movie yeah. i think it it's like very rare when a director and, does that they put their they, name and he fought to have his name in the title and the studio was like but why you're a nobody and he was like no i'm not 
<laughs> and then he gets his name in the title and he becomes John Carpenter. So he is yeah. a neo maniac. It's just yeah, it's it's arrogance, right but on, it, but it works. Hollywood, if you baby. keep making your movies, then I you, mean, you prove your name is deserving of its place. Yes, but he definitely put a stamp on this movie. Like this is John Carpenter's movie. It's a John yeah. Carpenter movie. Well, and, like the director is the lead the leader of making the movie. Like it's you know, they're the one pioneering and leading. So yeah. it's like, you know. I want to quick throw it out to Kai. What was your favorite scene? I don't think we got. Oh shit. Um yeah, I liked well, I liked the first time where you saw the um I wrote this down. The Valmorphication. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what did I just learned ten minutes ago? The dog, right? Uh, I like yeah, the when the dog is in the pen, you know something's scary oh, gonna happen. That is you, a great and also scene. also the the three of you guys that have already seen this, you may forget what it was like to have not seen this movie before. Right. But to be like, I have no idea what's about to happen right now and I know something's about to happen and then it's just something that is totally like out of control crazy like outrageous like you could never well, could expect and it keeps going yeah. and I'm, you're and like then, oh that's scary and yeah like, oh that's scary like it, more stuff keeps coming out well, and it's you're cool like I think too. that dog's sick take that dog to a vet dude well, <laughs> jeez <laughs> So and then you got to credit John Carpenter again because he's totally toying with you in that scene because, so, he you know he leaves the dogs alone, turns the lights off, right? They freak out. He immediately is like, "Well, all the dogs are barking. I'm gonna go check on the dogs because he clearly mm. cares about these animals, right?" Yeah. Well, he gets back in there. He opens the cage, and it's all dark because the lamp yeah. is out, right? Yeah. And, and so you're just you're you're begging for this thing to just get him right there right but it doesn't he in fact he falls on the ground he's able to get the door closed and he locks it again which is just john carpenter being like hee hee like you know like you were so scared there for a second but it's okay like he's he locked the door everything's gonna be fine and then the scene continues and like all of a sudden everybody's in jeopardy again and then they're all okay ah. and then they're all in jeopardy he's again. messing with you know? he's taking it like this you, it's yeah. a roller coaster of emotion yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, um, no Ky- fat. You had a you had an interesting point, Kai, and like you're right because like we've seen the movie a ton of times, so we lose the the surprise factor of like, oh, what the fuck's gonna happen next? And that that first scene, like the practic- like the the dog, like its face like opens up and its guts yeah. spew out, and then like spider tentacles come out, and, and it's it, fucking tongue, and its tongue like whips out Sorry. and sprays the dogs with acid. Like, yeah, it's just too much. But- <laughs> yeah. For me, Derek, the, the genius of this movie is like I've seen this movie like twenty times, like you, right? Yeah. I watch it every single October, like during this time of year. It's like this a comfort movie for like the Halloween holiday, right? Yeah. And yeah, I know what's gonna happen. It's not as scary as it used to be, but that tension never goes away. No. That tension is always there, no matter how many times yeah. I watch this movie. Yeah. Which is impressive. Oh, Absolutely. And you brought up a point in the movie which I think is is really cool for a scary movie. It's like uh the first of all, the ideal of of aliens in a horror movie is scary if you can do it well but aliens that were already on the planet for coming from the past time, yeah. Yeah. is like so much more scary like, oh this isn't because humans have only been an advanced civilization in quotes for the last 10,000 years and to have an idea of like oh this thing has been frozen for god knows how long yeah. and now we just uncovered it and it's way more advanced like we're, we're already years ish like yeah. it really puts in perspective like oh fuck like humans are fucked like Kai, you just made a really cool point. The point about like the fact that the alien is oh aliens from back in time. Yeah. So the um we're gonna I want to touch on that in a second here. The origins of the film. So the film is based on the 1938 sci-fi novella 
which is a short book um, called Who Goes There by author John W. Campbell Jr. Okay. He wrote this sci-fi novel, and it was it's interesting to think because this is the same year that the War of the World, the famous War of the Worlds broadcast that scared mm. everybody. It's the same year that that came out. So a lot of this sci-fi alien stuff is happening was, around these was, yeah. in the, in the late 1930s. But yeah, so this famous you know World Worlds broadcast, everyone thought that it was real and that UFOs were landing on Earth. Well, all this, so you had a lot of this interesting sci-fi alien stuff happening in the late 1930s, and so this uh, novella comes out. Okay, and that's uh, John Carpenter's version of the thing, the one that we just watched, follows the book actually very faithfully. Like, mm. uh, there's characters McCready, Childs, Dr. Copper, Palmer, Blair. Does it take place in Antarctica? It takes place in Antarctica, wow. and it has all those characters in it. And they, they follow the plot line very, like, very closely. Um, all the things that happen in the movie, ha- a lot of them happen in the book. It's not 100%. Um, I have the the book on audiobook. I listen to it sometimes. Um, nice. But the tone is very close to the same. It's it's like this desolate. Book, yeah. It's quiet. Like when you listen to the, like the first few words, it's it is it, it you think of the movie. Huh? Right. And so um, there was a movie uh, called The Thing from Another Place. Nineteen fifty one. Yeah, yeah. nineteen fifty one. It's it's roughly based on the book, but not nearly as faithful as John Carpenter's. Have you watched have you seen it before? I've seen part yeah. of it. Okay. Um so you know, and so but I, I did my research to figure out, you know, what I could in the meantime. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have seen okay. it. Yeah. You, it's been it's it's been a mean. long time. It's a very different movie. It's yeah. not really a horror movie. It's almost like a like a thrillery kind yeah. of deal. It does it does not follow the the source material as closely as this does, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like it ha- it has the alien the aliens a threat but it's it's not that same like kind of mystery of like who who is who yeah, it's, it's like, very like straightforward like the, they're all kind of like a team working together to defeat this alien as yeah. opposed to like there's there's no like trust dynamic to the original movie it, exactly like yeah. it, it's it, there's not the suspense of like who's who and right, there's exactly. also no shape-shifting which, like, which I think is the one of the most important elements of the movie and why it's scary is the who's who so it's like the original was just like uh, oh there's an alien trying to kill this movie or this is like there's an alien trying to kill us and it could be anybody here exactly so I, th- I think I think it loses mm. like the 1951 one loses that plot line which I think is very important I, I, absolutely, and it's kind of like what Stanley Kubrick did to The Shining. Like they're just two different things, based, roughly based mm. on each other. Right, right, right. And uh, John Carpenter's version is much, much more gruesome um, than the first movie, or even the book. The the gruesomeness is of the movie is actually much more John Carpenter's thing, and the the book actually ends a little bit differently too. In the book, everybody dies except for uh, McCready, and then the the um the alien gets away as a bird it flies away <sighs> oh, oh that's that's the worst yeah, yeah so like in the that's end good, yeah. it's, it's oh. a stork and it flies off that's and like peace out bitches it. yeah and that's how that's how the book ends Dude, it affects so, the story yeah, insinuating but like uh yeah a lot of it was it's very very similar to how the book uh and mccready's like, just left on the island knowing that the stork is going out to yeah uh, South and like, America, and or it insinuates that I think it insinuates that McCready eventually freezes to death. Yeah. Like, um, Ugh, with the knowledge, I that's know. the worst. Shit. Um, some a uh, bit about the cast and crew. The screenplay was written by a man named Bill Lancaster. 
he was sort of a one-hit wonder screenwriter. He had another movie called Bad News Bears in the 70s. Oh, yeah. Walter Matthau. That's totally yeah. a classic movie. Oh, it's yeah. okay. yeah. considered a classic. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. So he, yeah. had, he had that one, and then... Um, they, they ended up remaking it with... Uh, Billy Bob. Billy, Billy Bob, Bob Thornton. Thornton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which, no, that, yeah, the, I mean, the, that's enjoyable, but it's not as good the, as The 70s Bad News Bears was definitely considered a classic. Okay. But yeah, Bill Lancaster, he wrote the screenplay. The movie went through the hands of a few different directors before landing in John Carpenter's uh, it went through the hands of Toby Hooper um, and also uh, Stanley Kubrick wrote a couple pages oh, of interesting. A, a screenplay but it got turned down by Universal I would have loved I, to see I, Stanley I would have loved Kubrick's to see Stanley Kubrick right after The Shining too right Man. Shining into the thing yeah I think I think if there was one director I'd pick that would be like that could, be could you better. make a better movie than than this movie? It would be Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, I, do you yeah. really um, think that though? I yeah, I do. Certainly. I do. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. He. I don't know. Even with his pedigree, like, I don't know. This Some, movie sometimes so well. No, done. this no, this movie to me. This I we'll talk about it later. How this movie could, is. How could this movie anybody is, make it better? This movie is perfect to me. But Stanley Kubrick is Stanley fucking Kubrick. Like if, they, if yeah. there's anybody who could I think do this, I think this is your favorite movie yeah. of all time. No, no, it's your my favorite horror movie of all time. Yeah, and you're just gonna and give it, away like, the. I'm, no, I'm just saying if there was one person better. that could elevate yeah. it, that would be it. Like, hey, that's interesting. He's good at making those moments where it's just like complete pin drop silence. Like you're, he builds attention so much, and I think he could have done it. In like ways Be- that we don't even know, because because I I mentioned earlier that um, this is one of if not my f- my best horror movie of all time. Yeah. The only other considerations I'd have would be Alien, the original Alien, and then The Shining. Right. Those are my mm. top three. So like if 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 there's anybody who's gonna be able to do this movie to the same interesting degree. choice because Kubrick yeah. almost directed this, and I want to talk about the a- uh, Alien at some point because I think this movie. My biggest gripe with this movie is I feel like it's just a ripoff of Alien, because it's a it's a crew of people that get haunted by an alien in an isolated place where they can't get help. The alien picks them off one by one. The alien attacks them by growing inside and basically taking control of their body in like a totally invasive way. And Alien came out three years before this movie. Um, it just it just feels a little so, too. Uh, I, I can see the inspiration. It feels I, a little too. Robin, another movie's I, I, I could see the inspiration, but this movie, I don't know if you have this in your facts, this movie, they started kind of production and, and the before. concept of this movie in the, the mid-70s. Okay, so before before Alien came out, they were they were talking about this movie, and I don't think I don't know if John Carpenter was attached to it yet. Mm-hmm. And obviously it had, it had so been a story before Alien, right? So like, yeah, according like to the, this yeah. story, the story that this movie is based on pr- pr- predates Alien. Yeah. So, so, so that, it's kind of if that's true. Then was Alien a push by the studios to try to get something out first that was more or less a story, just just like their version of it? Those wow. kind of things happen. We'll learn totally. when we do the research for our Alien episode. Could I also guess. be the opposite. Soon. Alien could have come out, been successful, and then they were like, okay, sure, make the thing that we've been waiting on. Until we knew that it could be successful. Mm. The mm. thing, uh, Bill Lancaster, screenwriter, originally had Harrison Ford or Clint Eastwood in mind for McCready. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and so, so think about that. So think about one of I those guys. I can see either one. Of I them, can yeah. see Harrison Ford doing an. I I can see Harrison. I don't know about job. Clint Eastwood. No, well, he's but, too, but, old. Well, you gotta, too old for that. No, but you got to think Clint Eastwood. It's 1982. <laughs> Do you feel lucky? Yeah, he, he already. He is. would. He'd be like 38. You know. No, Clint Eastwood's in his 90s now. So do the math. He would have been in his 50s. He was 50s. Yeah. yeah, I would. I want a scene with Harrison Ford pointing his finger at the alien's face. 
He would have made a good leader, you know, a, t- yeah. a good. Ford could get totally off pulled my um, absolutely base. Have. So think about this. So th- those are the guys that were considered for McCready's character. Jeff Bridges and Nick Nolte turned down the role of McCready before the role eventually um. landed in Kurt Russell's hands. Kurt Russell, I, uh, go ahead. I can see Jeff Bridges. I can like, kind of a yeah. rugged dude. Like I, I can see, like kind of a, like a true grit Jeff, Jeff Bridges in in the I, role. I think. Uh, the, the role went to the right guy. Yeah. I do. Uh, yeah. Kurt Russell seemed really young. Was, was he a star? At so point? he his career he hadn't been like he hadn't become like a true big star yet. This is one of his like, like breakout breakout roles. And John Carpenter and him were good friends and before the movie. Uh, yeah, before the movie was made. And so he well he he had already done Escape from New York. With, yeah, yeah. So he uh, had yeah, he he yeah. wasn't like a nobody, but he hadn't yeah, like yeah. made a huge come yeah. up into entertainment yet. And John Carpenter thought the same thing about him he's like Kurt, like you're, you know you're such a talented actor like it's a shame that you haven't gotten the credit that you deserve and so he they, they were good friends and Kurt got the role through Carpenter so so if we're doing a generational perspective uh what do you think about like Christian Bale as McCready yeah, I could see that you they, need a they made guy. this movie 10 years ago they yeah they did they remade the movie it oh was, they did Mary Elizabeth Olsen was the main it's that. a it's a prequel yeah she was um, McCready she wasn't. It wasn't the same was, characters. Uh, it was a. It was a. It was a prequel. So like a, they like played. Right. They made. They remade the story of the Norwegian camp in the prequel. Right. So you uh, you and McGregor's wife sense. or whatever. Yeah. Is uh the like the main character in the 2011 one? It's not. It's, it's, it's not. I'm great. guessing because I've great. never heard of it. It wasn't that good. It's not great. Did you guys notice <laughs> there was no women in this? Uh, yeah. Movie? There's not a single woman. Not a single woman. You don't know that the thing could have been a woman. <laughs> you don't know you, what the thing identifies as, true, man. That's true. Uh, that's, how that's fucking dare fair you? Fair point. It's 2020, dude. Come on. Well, yeah. they, so they do mention that there is a female character, though. If you dig deep enough, the bitch. No, the dog. No, the chess. The chess computer. Oh, uh, only female voice in the movie. But the first one to get murdered. So the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah count that right. Hurt. So that that voice was actually played by John Carpenter's wife at the time. Uh, let's see. What was her? She name? made Halloween. Uh, her name was Adrienne Bardot. Check. Um, yeah, she played. She was an actress. She played the voice of McCready's chess computer. Yeah. She's so, like, uh, I got a good role for you, honey. It's a you're a computer, yeah. and you get yeah. dumped Two water lines. on. <laughs> we, we, were, we were cracking up in that scene because uh, you know he just like opens up the the slot to where like uh, <laughs> her, her. you know the components go, and he just dumps his whiskey glass into there. <laughs> Yeah. And which there, there's a couple funny things about that scene. Like one, they sh- they have this like snowy landscape that they show, and then he digs into a bag of ice for his whiskey. Yeah, so it's right. like they're they're doing something funny there, and then he dumps this whiskey into this computer. Right? It's like you have to think it's 1982, right? These things so are. So computers, first of all, are very simple, right? Much less a computer that can beat you at chess. Mm-hmm. Like that's we didn't have that until the 2000s, right? So this is like a very advanced computer. This is like a million dollar computer <laughs> yeah, yeah. in 1982. I don't think it's that. And he just dumps a yeah. whiskey glass into it. No, I think I, yeah. that's why they're in Antarctica in the first place. Maybe that's the villain. Is that they of the need sequel. to super cool this supercomputer, <laughs> and the only way you can do that is in negative 100 degree weather. Yeah. So speaking about that, locations that the movie was. I was uh, going to ask. Yeah. So, um, the location for. The scenic shots they filmed it in two places. They filmed one in Alaska. They filmed some of it in Alaska, and they filmed some of it in British Columbia. So, like that was where they did all the outside mountain shots. Most of the movie was made right here in L.A. Uh, studio. So, 
this but it gets better so like a lot of the shots especially the like the ones where like there's a lot of you know have like they're inside the internal shots where they're breathing and they look like they're freezing those shots were done on sound stages that were air conditioned down to negative two degrees holy shit to make it so that they're they the the water in the room froze so that the ice was frozen on the walls so they had icicles and so that, that was red. so that was real frozen wow. ice. So like that was done on sound stages, air conditioned down to negative two degrees. Which uh, yeah. studio is freezer? What, that I'm not sure which ones. You can probably well, it was look Universal, it up. Universal. So maybe it was in Burbank or uh, what was Univers- uh, Universal City? I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's probably yeah. Burbank studios. because even like Warner is in Burbank and yeah. Why don't they just put them in a free? So it's a big freezer. So that was a, that was a question. The the studio wanted them to be like, well, why, why don't you guys just shoot it in a freezer? But when they noticed like the the impracticality of like getting a whole film crew inside of a, a box, you know, it just didn't work out practically wow. for shooting. How did they get an air conditioner crazy. to get that volume of space that's down expensive. to? I know. Yeah, it, that's yeah. crazy. Like, so not only is that expensive, but like it's, it's bad not for even the possible. environment. Yeah. yeah. Like like how much fuel was? And burned. this movie was the cause of global warming. Yeah. <laughs> is this is this why the whole like uh, gas crisis of the late seventies happened? Yeah. Yeah, and that that's just part Today's of the uh, even at, even though it came out in 1982. <laughs> that's just part Maybe. of the budget. Well, but uh, they they started filming it. In the, oh in the yeah. Then now for the practical effects and that budget. Okay. Shit. Rob Botton, only 22 years old at the time, worked seven days a week for a year, creating and perfecting the practical effects for the creature. He was then hospitalized for exhaustion. Holy shit, uh, from dude! From overworking. Whoa. Um. Uh, Universal had originally agreed to seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to uh, for the practical effects budget, and that was like they're like, "Yo, like you guys are pushing it." Well, at the end of the shooting of the practical effects and the creating of the practical effects, the practical effects budget was one point five million. I'm not surprised, uh, you know, man. Ten percent of the film's entire budget. Okay, and wow. he, he, the guy uh, Rob Botton, he led a team of forty technicians to build all of those alien props. He was so stressed out that he he was hospitalized for. I mean, he worked seven seven days a week for a year, like getting all of oh my all of those God, practical effects miserable. in order, along with his forty crew team. Um, the giant alien in the climactic. It's got something scene. to show for it. Yeah. Oh, and it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I'm one, honestly, one point five mil today Steel. is. One effect <laughs> in in one yeah. scene. Yeah. That's nothing. Yeah. 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 Um, the giant alien in the climactic ending scene where he like sprouts up out of the ground, that took fifty technicians to operate that Whew. machine. Whoa. Yeah. Fifty five yeah. zero. Five zero to to get like all of the moving parts and like you know the wheeling eyes and all that. That was it took fifty operators to get that to work. Wow. Yeah. Everybody in sync. Got to do it all. <laughs> yeah. Got to get this shot. And twenty of them were in the suit. Uh, on each other's oh, shoulders. Yeah, prob- yeah probably, <laughs> right? Just uh, just holding each other out. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, and, but, like, the practical effects speak for themselves. They are extraordinary. I was thinking, like, you know, maybe up until Jurassic Park, I've never seen practical effects look so convincing or so impressive. But yeah. for 1982, it seems, like, way advanced for, for what they had available to them. And I, I hope that movies in the future can, like, I hope that filmmakers in the future are inspired by by this type of movie. And this I movie. hope they come back. Hollywood? Yeah. Because, like, they, Are you listening? Like, <laughs> they, the studio, like, stu- you know, everyone wants to use CGI because it's now it's cheaper than using these practical effects. Yeah. But yeah. you have, like, people, filmmakers and the studios, I want them to understand that it, it is much more convincing to have a real thing that you're shooting at that even if it's practical effect and maybe it looks a little silly, 
I think it has much deeper I, impression. I think I think people are kind of getting that, like with with uh, the newest Mad Max movie and then Top Gun. Like yeah. those are very practical effects yeah. driven movies that did extremely well, very critically acclaimed, had a huge box office yeah. Yeah. hit. Like I I think I think people are understanding. I think people are getting kind of um, worn out by the Marvel. Everything's fucking CGI. Yeah, sort of it situation. Was, it's not exciting anymore. Yeah. Like if you have a huge right. action sequence, it was cool with climax. Avatar and the first couple of like Avengers movies, but now it's just like so repetitive. It's overdone. It's where yeah. you see a pr- Avatar two is where, all practical. Where you see like a very, like, where you <laughs> see like a practical effect. Like with Top Gun, it was amazing, right? Because it was, it was like incredible. practical effects, like th- throughout You're most of the about movie. Maverick, right? Top Gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the new, the new one. Yeah, and and it, it just. And so I've, yeah. I've always been a like like uh, uh, a fan of practical effects over CGI. It, the, just, it just comes across better. We were yeah. talking about but Evil Dead earlier. The Evil Dead remake was all practical. Yeah, hell yeah. Like yeah. for a modern horror audience. But it's like he was. He, that was really interesting. He was talking about Jurassic Park and like. Yeah. I watched well, Dominion the other day and it was like terrible like compared to the original Jurassic Park because Jurassic like, Park came in 1993 and right. it utilizes both of them perfectly because right. it doesn't overuse they they right. they focus on scenes that need CGI and they do those scenes really really well and right. they focus on scenes that they can do a practical effects and they do those really well. Right. So no balance. Yeah, it's it's but now like movies have like a yeah, you know, they just any scene that's like oh, we'll just do it CGI and they're like uh, the people won't notice and we do. It's mostly green screen. And I, so, so I'm there. curious too. It's like, um, like when you hear an acoustic guitar on a recording, you know, it's fine. It sounds like an acoustic guitar. Mm. You're you you bought in. That's the CGI. You're like, yeah, that looks like what I would expect. But then when you hear an acoustic guitar in real life, it sounds way better and it's way more cool because it's real. It's happening right in front of you. I wonder if it's that same kind of thing with practical effects. Oh, it it's is, like, yeah. Like our eyes are like the lenses, right? And the lenses pick up the real thing, so our eyes are picking up the real thing. And we're like, oh, that looks way more real, yeah. Rather than like this reproduced thing. It's casting the exact correct shadows. It's moving in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. It's three D. It, it, it it's sells you in a way that we're familiar with. Well, and looks like something we're familiar with. Someone, someone explained it to me right. I think it was you. Was Kai? We were having this conversation the other day. Is that? Or maybe maybe it was my brother actually. It was my brother. Uh, we, no. went to, we went to the um, yeah. Fuck me. Went to the Academy Museum <laughs> and we were talking about practical <laughs> effects versus digital. Here, here's, oh, yeah. here it is. It's like this. It's like uh, with modern day digital and like uh, CGI, you can get things like looking pretty close. But the problem is they're that they look perfect and and reality is imperfect. There's imperfections in reality and so like when that's you look, what makes it real. Exactly. So when you look at a prop, it's not perfect. But it's, it, and that's what makes it more real. Whereas CGI, yeah. it's so perfect that you know it's. You not can real. immediately tell. What, what I would add to that is um, that having limitations on your artwork makes that's what creates movie magic. Because when you have no limitations, you can just do whatever CGI effect. You have no like boundaries. Minimal effort. Yeah. yeah. Then it, yeah, it's like it, it. You weaken your sense of creativity to get the shot that you want. Whereas if you're working with limitations, you. That's how movie the scenes were like. How the fuck they do that? Creative to figure these things out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the fact that John Carpenter killed two Norwegians for this movie. Yeah, I love that. Really dedicate yourself to it. I'm glad they died. Shot a Norwegian in the face (laughs) to make this movie, dude. Let's bring back the thing. Nobody cares. (laughs) It's legal in Antarctica. Yeah, right. International law. My grandfather is Norwegian. So anymore he's not. Yeah. So, question for you guys, because. I would say one thing, uh, just like just like all the dogs in the movie, all those dogs are dead now. 
Seven dogs. Totally. What's the one thing I, you'd I would say? say? I would say one thing this movie is lacking compared to other 80s movies we've seen, which I don't think necessarily is a bad thing as far as quality of movie, is quotes. I don't feel like this movie has any, oh, like, yeah. like... A lot of... Oh, there's, like, there's, quote, there's I, I, ha- I have a few. I have, like, one or two, but do you guys have, a, like, a favorite quote from this movie? First goddamn week of winter. That's 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 one of the two I have. You got good oh, man. ears, man. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, first there, there's line. another one where uh, they're burning the first body and they're like piling up all the snow, and he uh, he says something along the lines of like uh, like everybody step back, and then he like everybody steps uh-huh. back and he burns it, yeah. which I was totally thinking like like yeah there could have been a better line there like he could he could have said like. Uh, uh, he, like he could have had something cheesier there. Hold your horses. <laughs> huh. No, like uh, like anybody want barbecue? Like <laughs> he could have he could have had something fried sauerkraut. But he chose not to. It was just like very real. Like everybody everybody get back. Right, right, right. You know. So I, it's like I, I identified a spot where there should be one, but cook. it wasn't really interesting, there. Interesting. What, what was yours, Dakota? So mine is it's at the very beginning of the movie before everything like pops off. So w- Windows, the curly hair guy with the sunglasses, he's on the radio, and Kurt Russell comes in. He's like, "Did you reach anybody?" And and he says, "Reach anybody? We're a thousand miles from nowhere, and it's gonna get a lot worse before it gets better." And I think that's a good quote to set the tone. Set the tone for the movie. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's the beginning yeah. of winter. Yeah. It's yeah. The beginning yeah. of winter. Yeah. So they're they're right. You know. But yeah, the, the we're a thousand miles from nowhere. I think it's a, it's a really good because that that's like sets the isolation of the movie. Like there's nobody. Everyone's always even giving close. them shit for not reaching anybody. Yeah. Well, and and that sounds like hyperbole, but it's not. No, it's not. It's yeah. a fact. They're a thousand miles from nowhere. Dude. I I I, th- I nothing think around. I think if this movie right like took place in uh like um a biology biologist facility in. Alaska or Los Angeles, somewhere close to like civilization, I don't think it would have the same effect. As no, definitely not. As it being so, and I think Antarctica as the setting is so perfect for this movie and so integral to the scariness of this film. Yeah, they, I, they're 100% agree. From the beginning. Yeah, they're mm. they're done. Um, Kai, I, I forgot to like mention on this point. So, uh, you the hun- you know the, the creature is over hundred thousand years old, right? So in the book, um, it's the same kind of thing. Um, but it's been there for like a hundred million years. Oh wow! In the book, and and what's also cool about the book, um, they they talk about the fact, and this is gonna kind of trip your mind a little bit. So, the alien as we know it is, it's like it's a shape shifting creature. It steals other people's thing uh, identities and goes with it. So, here's something that'll blow your mind. So the spacecraft lands in the ice. Uh, in the book, it's 100 million years ago, and a creature gets out of the ice, and the creature is freaking out, and it's pissed, and it's all over the place, and it's, you know, it's fucking Antarctica 100 million years ago. It's freezing. And the, 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 Actually, the Antarctica creature, was not freezing. The creature, okay, well, the creature falls over and freezes in the ice, okay? And the scientists in ha, come to the conclusion that, no, the alien that you're looking at is not the thing it's the creature that was flying the ship. The thing is the alien that imitated that creature that landed in the ice. Interesting. Uh, Kai, you were, you were uh, you're like 100 million years ago, Antarctica wasn't frozen yet. That's true. Um, yes. I'm sorry, The it was 20 million years ago. 
Oh, so okay. Yeah, it's twenty. Uh, the, the, the novella takes place. Uh, the alien lands twenty million years ago. Sweet. Um, b- but uh, I love the concept. Like it's it's cool. Uh, there's a. I have a favorite line. My favorite line is the one where, uh, where uh, Kurt Russell's holding the the petri dish, and he's like, "You would say that, Gary." You were the only one that could get that blood. Oh, yeah. You'll do you last. <laughs> and then, bam. That's a great line. Reminded me right of uh, Commando. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. Kill I'll, kill I'll kill you last. I'll kill you last. I'll kill you last. I lied. I lied. <laughs> uh, speaking of quotes, though, there is a, a trivia about the quote. So the very last quote of the movie where they're both sitting there like, and uh, Childs is like. We'll just wait we, and see what yeah, happens. We'll just, yeah, he's like, what do we do now? And Kurt Russell's like, why don't we just wait here a while, see what happens. Kurt Russell wrote that line. Oh, really? Yeah, he was. He wrote that line. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So about that ending, uh, Kai said he would have liked the helicopter because it ups the stakes for if one of them's evil, if one of them's the host, it's gonna populate the world. Mm. But I think, sure, that changes the timeline a little bit. But I think the ambiguity ambiguity of that ending is the exact same thing because if they both freeze to death. If one of them freezes not to death, that would be the alien. You know what I mean? So somebody's going to yeah. find that alien, and it's still going to be unleashed on the world in the same exact way. I, I've got an, another new thought. Maybe the alien <laughs> doesn't want to be alone, so it always maintains one living thing and itself. He's just trying to hang out with the boys. <laughs> 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 Let's just see what happens. <laughs> Let's just see what Why happens. Why don't we just get comfortable? Let's turn that into a show. <laughs> it's about love. A romantic, uh, a romantic yeah, comedy with light a thing. A candle and see what happens. This yeah. summer, the thing finds love. Yeah, like <laughs> like respin the trailer, yeah. like just catch like the good parts yeah. with like where they're having fun in the movie and like return that like respin. Uh, it, yeah. It's called something. Antarctica something. is the place to fall in love. <laughs> I think we have something. If Here. we have love, we have something. <laughs> um, one small little bit of uh, theory or theory uh, trivia before uh, we move on. Um, for Childs' character, uh, Keith David's, this was his uh, breaking out Hollywood role. Um, Carl Weathers and Ernie Hudson and Isaac Hayes were originally considered for the role of Childs. Isaac wow. Hayes, huh? Isaac Hayes. Isaac Hayes is in um, Shaft. Escape from New York. Yeah. He's great in Escape from New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so that makes sense that he would be. Yeah. Previous John Carpenter movie. I, I Yeah, I think that they're all interesting picks. I think Carl Weathers would I wonder why he didn't take it. Uh yeah, I can't remember scheduling conflicts. Maybe there was some. There was well, he was he was also like a famous musician at the time, so he was probably touring and doing all sorts of stuff. Like he was a very like, and he had, I he had a smaller role in Escape from New York than Keith Davis' character. And like Keith Davis' character was in a lot of different scenes where him in Escape from New York was like, he was in it for whatever ten fifteen minutes, but it was like one scene continuously right gotcha. so it's probably like he could have filmed it in a couple of days where like this would have been a longer or time this guy nailed the audition yeah yeah so keith david won it on merit yeah that's what we're thinking well sure. um yeah. and well and also he went on obviously to become a huge success Massive. like um keith david yeah keith david like he's in yeah. all kinds of things including video games uh, Donald Pleasance, also in Escape from New York, mm-hmm. he was going to play Blair originally, but he couldn't do it because of scheduling issues. Huh. He plays in Halloween. He's the uh, Michael Myers' doctor, mm. Dr. Oh. Loomis. Ooh. Yeah. So, he, the, you know, the director has his crew of 
Sure, characters. go tos. Yeah, you know, his, his go tos. I know this guy can do this. I mean, that's that's how a lot of directors are. They have their guy that they go to. Well, it's, it's so rare. It's so rare to find talent, right? And then it's so rare to find chemistry, right? That like when you find it, you just someone go, that's okay, easy to work I know with. this guy can do this. Let's go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, how many Tarantino uses Sam Jackson? Uh, Scorsese uses De, De Niro, yeah. DiCaprio. Like when you find somebody that such a versatile actor that, that you can use in a lot of different roles, you hang on to them. It seems like absolutely. Uh, and uh, Keith David's is uh, his voice, that smooth voice of his. Such sure. a good voice, dude. Yeah. Sure. He's got that line. He's like, "So Clark was human, huh? <laughs> Guess that makes you a murderer, don't it? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the uh, box office? Oh yeah, so yeah. The so budget it was fifteen million, huh? Yep. And I and okay. I think off the top of my head, I it, it was made like sixteen. But... It made like twenty million. It didn't make it like gross nineteen million. It was ba- it was a horrible bomb, and yeah. it was reviewed. Let me let me look up the um, the reviews because I I remember um, from w- what is coming to my head that it was like universally panned to the point where like. See w- what I remember because I mean I didn't I didn't do the research for this movie, uh, but I have in the past, and what I remember from it is that it bombed in box office. Yep. But then as the critics kind of like continued to watch it, they were like, "This is a good movie." Huh. I, I, think it, I think it's yeah, when, when I think it was kind of a, I think it was kind of a cult classic because yeah. at the beginning. Um, well, it uh, didn't. It didn't really make its money until after the box office, right? I think. So according to this, on 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 release, some reviews were dismissive of the film, calling it quintessential moron movie of the eighties. <laughs> quintessential moron movie. Of the instant 80s. junk and wretched excess. Shit. Um, horror movie attempting to cash in on the genre audience against the optimism of ET. <laughs> um, Plot criticized as boring, uh, bereft, despairing, nihilistic. So it, like it got panned. Um, critically and commercially, this came out right but at it, the same time as ET, huh? Right, it but came it came out right after. Right, ET. but it, but if you yeah. if you think about, I mean, the Sh- the Shining was was not a commercial success. Like these kind of darker, like like the eighties was a very much like filled with movies that were like yeah. the good guy wins, the right? Be happy, happy. Yeah. happy the, the good guy wins. You know, the hero saves the girl. Blah 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 blah. You know what else? Or this like, is not the, that. The critics pan back in the day. Jesus. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is pilot, dude. They crucified him. Critic. Yeah. <laughs> so, it was wow. a show. <laughs> they said Jesus had one of the worst movies <laughs> of two of, of zero. Would not recommend. <laughs> no thumbs up for Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so, it, yeah, it took $15 million to make it, which was actually a high budget for a horror movie at the time, uh, considering that John Carpenter's Halloween only cost him three hundred and I think it was like 375000 oh, That is Whoa. so small. So, well, and so, yeah. yeah, that was in 1978. Um, so. Obviously, he had proved himself, and Universal gave him a higher budget. But for a horror movie, this was actually really high for the time. Yeah, I mean, it's the same budget that uh, RoboCop got in like five years later. Interesting. Yeah, it's, al- it's almost the same budget as Die Hard seven years later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in a, in a 1999 interview, Carpenter said audiences rejected the thing for its nihilistic, depressing viewpoint at a time when the United States was in the middle of a recession, so they're looking for something positive. Right. 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 They, wanted, they were like ET. So just yeah, bad luck. Like, bad yeah. By the way, ET was be- at that same time was becoming the and biggest grossing movie of all time. Yeah. And also, the thing opened the same day as Blade Runner. Yeah. Which oh, is obviously man. more of a hmm. 
Not I it was. was it wasn't really like a, like a box office Very smash, but it was, sure. it was more of a commercial success than the thing. Yeah, I mean, like you have you think about those things too. It's like even if you got a great movie, it's it, it's maybe the wrong time. Like Terminator True. came out right. in 1984, and E.T. was also uh, credited for a lot of it's not doing right. so well when it came out as well. And, and other movies that it had to compete with that year was Conan the Barbarian, which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, uh, Poltergeist, Star Trek Two. Mad Max 2 and Tron. So those a are lot all of like, like nihilistic uh, so future um, But yeah, it, it, 19 million didn't do that great at all. Huh. No. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like what you said, E.T., like a lot of people credit E.T. with being like part of the reason why it didn't get as much because also E.T. was like what you're saying, is becoming, you know, the huge. It's a sci fi story. Success, yeah. But then, it, but then it came more of a success with like the, the release of like VHS and then eventually DVDs and stuff. Got a lot of rentals. And yeah. Yeah. One thing about it too, um, it did so bad, you know, for with the critics and for the box office that John Carpenter lost his deal with Universal because of this film. Mm -hmm. Oh no! They're like, your your name's never going to be on another movie title. He was he was supposed to direct a like a Stephen King movie, right? The Fog. I think he did direct The Fog, but maybe it was under a different company. I'm not sure. I haven't done the research on that, but I think he actually did do that. Okay, but I yeah, I I feel like he was like penned to direct another Stephen King movie, and then they like with the Universal deal, and then he got cut from that because this was such a bad performance. For sure. Yeah. So so was this movie rated R? It's got to be. That's a good question, dude. To try to sell an R-rated movie in 1982, especially against E.T. Right, which is a PG movie. Yeah. You know, whereas like an R-rated movie, like we can't take the kids to this one, and they're just not going to go. It's not going to make the it's not going to make the studio enough money in comparison. Yeah, whereas yeah. if it was like ninety-two, it would have had a huge box. Oh, that thing. that would be ridiculous for R. Um, yeah, RoboCop was like sixty million, and I think uh, Roadhouse was like fifty million. Those are both R. Um, yeah, it was rated R. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds about right. Yeah, it should be. I mean, they, they, they have they have a couple scenes where they shoot somebody in the face. There's blood and guts and crazy alien ripping people yeah. open things. But yeah, like, it just came out at a time where like that kind of movie was not what people were looking for. It, exactly. Huh. Which, but it, it grew over time, which is why we're talking about it now. You guys want to talk about your thoughts and your ratings on this? Uh, okay, critically, thought it was a really well done uh, screenplay. Uh, like Dakota was saying, no unessential scenes. Everything was tense, and the monster was introduced a good amount of times. Normally in a horror movie, I don't like to see the monster so much, but when they put that much work into it, and they just every time you see it, it's something new and worse, um, it's great. So I'm going to give this movie a 9, critically, and Whoa. an 8 for personal enjoyment. Nice. Okay. Right on. Um, critically, I don't think this... I don't think I would have... Uh, nominated this movie for best picture it was uh it was good maybe i'm like genre biased but i i feel it's more in the seven category for critical acclaim entertainment wise i would also put it in the seven category so i'll give it double sevens just because i'm such a fan of alien and i felt like this is a lesser version of the same plot line that alien had although there was a lot of cool stuff the uh the practical effects really brought it up but maybe some of the characters were a little dry. I don't feel like I really got to know the characters that well. So I'll, I'll give it a seven both ways. 
Yeah, that's interesting because like the crew in Alien is only like six people, right? Whereas this is a crew of like ten. It's it's kind of hard to keep track of that many characters. Yeah, yeah, true. Especially because like 12. they're not super. Is it twelve? Well, there's yeah. twelve deaths. Well, oh, two yeah. of them are Norwegian. So yeah, 12. yeah. So so yeah, it's it's really hard to keep track of that many characters, especially without like really explicit stuff that's like my name's mac and this is my opinion you know it's like because then you can easily tell Classic but like mac he totally doesn't do that with it uh anyway uh, so my ratings I, i'd go more um as far as critical acclaim i'd probably give it a nine i i just think it's like it's so great so well done uh the idea is well articulated it keeps you on your seat uh to me there's very few flaws with it uh enjoyment factor i'm gonna go nine and a half wow whoa these are big you know and chase doesn't he doesn't go lightly I on know, the he scores chase him at a point and he doesn't take the these scale. ratings yeah. lightly yeah wow he will give a movie heck yeah low ranks. i was I, I actually i had in mind to give less of an entertainment score but the more that we potted podcast about it the more i was like man, i really just love this movie <laughs> it's pretty good uh, yeah it is great so so for me this is the pinnacle of horror movies like <laughs> i said this is this is in the top three with the shining and alien it's just so well paced so well directed no fat uh you said you don't really like you didn't really associate with every character which i, I understand but i don't think it's necessarily necessary for this movie for you to feel that because it's a ho- it's a horror movie right so you're 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 feeling the fear of each and every character not necessarily their background or whatever um and entertainment wise i'm enthralled the whole time the first time i watched this movie i'm scared i'm terrified i don't know what's going to happen uh so i'm going to give it two tens this is the wow. this, this, what? this is wow. a, as far wow. as that's never as, happened before as far as as far as what it's aiming to be this to me is a perfect movie. This might be our highest. All right, but he'd rather yeah. uh, Stanley Kubrick directed it. I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see what uh, what happened. <laughs> Given but yeah, th- so this is two, two tens for me. It's it's um, the the peak of the horror genre for me. So there you go. Right on. Um, so Jake once uh, said something that stuck with me, and I, and I use it now for like my rating. My critical rating is. I th- that the movie sets out to do what it was supposed to do, and I thought that this movie hit all the boxes that it was trying to. Uh, you know, like, I, it, it did everything that it was trying to do with no fat on it. It was terrifying. It was, uh, it was, there was action, suspense, and it all fell into place. And, like, um, you, like what Kai said, though, like, yeah, we didn't get to know all the characters. It lacked some, um, some other aspects, like, that make other really good critically acclaimed movies good movies, um, but at the same time, it it did exactly what it was supposed to do. So with all that considered, I'm going to give it a nine for the uh, for the critical, and I'll give it a ten for entertainment. Dude, this is because this, I already know this is going to be the highest rated. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah. And I think it deserves to be. I think out of yeah. the movies we watch, I think this deserves to be the the highest rated movie. It's a, and like yeah. we're talking about movies and entertainment. I, I like what Dakota said. Like we've watched yeah. this movie since we were kids, and e- every time we watch it, it doesn't go down in interest or right. in entertainment in any right. way. But yeah. but like completely like, rewatchable, right? Yeah. Rewatchable, and then critically, like we're saying, like there's no fat on the movie. He frames every shot with intention, 
Every piece of dialogue has intention. All the acting performances I think are great. Well, like plus I think like the, the whole movie is yeah. a logic game where he's giving yeah. you all these little clues, like, and he totally ties up all the loose ends. And the ones that he doesn't tie up are intentional. intentionally he's not tied up. You, yeah. He's leaving you Thinking. feeling uncertain, you know, and, mm-hmm. that, and it's all done yeah. on purpose, which and, is maybe and why we like it so much. Right. It was successful when when we were in there, like we were asking ourselves, like, who is it? Who is it? We were right there with the characters, right. you know, like that's what he wanted. And and also the juxtaposition of like the beautiful outward shots of Antarctica the versus landscape. the horrific, terrible, ugly shots of inside. Cabin fever. I think it's just uh. it's just a great juxtaposition that he just nails. I th- I think I think this is John Carpenter's best movie. Uh, I would put it over Halloween, all of his other movies. Like, I think he just nails, like, like what you're saying. Like, he had a goal. There's a goal of what he wanted this movie to be, and he nailed every single aspect of it. Absolutely. I have a yeah. quick uh, modern um, tie-in here. Cool. So, this is some of the music from the thing from a, a video game that came out a couple years ago. Very popular among us. Which I've is a cartoony, really simple, really silly video game in which twelve to sixteen Alien. crew members are on like a ship a or ship, wherever, yeah. and one of them is, or one or a few of them are the bad guy, Whoa. and they go around and try to kill the others before they realize. Wow. Among things you can do in this game are kill the generators and turn the lights off huh. so you can't see where people are, and then you call an emergency meeting and vote on who you think is the bad guy. And there's so much inspiration from from this movie and also from Alien. The whole genre yeah. is just so um, obvious in Among Us, and I just thought that was kind of a fun little uh, yeah, that's cool modernization of, I guess, the genre in a weird way. Yeah, yeah a lot of people were playing that during the pandemic. Cause yeah, it was like we can all be remote and still. It hang was out huge, and, and it was it's where the term "sus" came. There was like a whole meme phase that's of sus. it in 2020. <laughs> you no, know, "sus" was. Years and years and but years. But sus before. became a meme, a big, a big old thingy. Dude, I've been saying sus since high school. <laughs> That's okay. in the mid two thousand. Okay, so you you let it, and then among it's us, I, it's not me. I didn't come up with that. No, you came, you came up with it. <sighs> among Chase us came up maybe with it thirty, 30 years thing. ago. I mean, NorCal came up with hella. Yeah, maybe it's a NorCal thing. So chill. Yeah. I invented chill. Uh, I was cold one day, and I was like, "What's a good word for cold?" Chill. Yeah. yeah. The uh, funny thing that you mentioned Among Us is the video game that's inspired from this. There's a video game, The Thing. It's yeah. based uh, on the movie. And and John Carpenter says that it's like part of the universe. Like yeah. he says it's a uh, yeah. sequel Ooh. to the. Interesting. When did that come out? That was when we were kids. That was for uh, PlayStation Two. Yeah, I saw yeah, the uh, when I was looking for the movie graphic. poster. I saw the uh, video game poster as well. Yeah. Yes. Huh. Well, uh, this has been um, the thing on. Your father's favorite movies. The thing and is also the nickname for my penis. In college. <laughs> yeah, I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's John Carpenter's. The John thing. Carpenter's the thing. Absolutely, he wants his he wants his uh, name on it. Nice. Um, yeah, it's been a fantastic time. This has probably been my favorite podcast so far. Like, I just this I'm so passionate about this movie and yeah, honored that we got to do this. This is our longest running podcast for sure. What what are we at? Like two hours. We're, we're a little Three, over. I think. We're two, yeah, I think yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and light my girl's Four. on fire. In the <laughs> honor of this podcast. But um, keep on listening, you guys. We got more movies. It's Halloween season, so we're going to have some uh, movies season. tailored towards Halloween. Happy Halloween. Getting spooky. And yeah. uh, just keep on listening out there. I'm Derek. I'm, I'm Jake. I'm Kai. 
I'm Dakota. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is your father's favorite movies. Keep on listening. Father's favorite movies. I love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. <laughs> I love you, Dakota's dad. Thank you.